One of the great Advent readings is Mary's Magnificat, a song of praise for how God has used a nobody like her to do God's work. She says, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am I rejoice in God my Savior. He looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on everyone will consider me highly favored, because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. He shows mercy to everyone, from one generation to the next, who honors Him as God. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of His servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Beginning with Mary, the Christmas story is filled with those ignored by society, society, even people that were rejected. If you were always the first one picked when choosing teams, today's message is not for you. If you were always the best-looking one in the room, this message is not for you. If you always got the promotion and the raise, always had the most friends, and they were true friends, always were the teacher's pet and got A's even when you didn't deserve them, then this message this morning is not for you. But if you've ever known rejection... If you weren't your parents' favorite child, even though you were an only child. (laughs) If you were turned down for jobs that said, no experience necessary, we'll train. If you lost every contest you ever entered and didn't even win participation trophies. If your high school yearbook voted you most likely to wind up alone with 40 cats. Well, then this message could be for you. And just remember, it could be worse. You could be a carp. There is no fish so despised and rejected, in Minnesota at least, as the carp. When I was growing up, if you caught a carp, it was illegal to release it alive. And so people threw them up on the riverbanks. You might remember that from down here. Carp were so despised, you couldn't let them live. Now, they've changed the law, thank goodness. Except for Asian carp, you still have to kill the Asian carp and bring them to the DNR. Of course, the the DNR doesn't call them Asian carp anymore because that's an insult to Asian people. Nobody wants to be associated with carp. Back uh, before I moved to Hastings, I lived in Alexandria. And we had a little creek right across the street from us. And in the spring, the carp would come up the creek to spawn. And the bow fishermen would line the banks. And they would shoot carp literally by the barrel full. They would have big 55-gallon drums in the back of their trucks. And they would fill them up. And then they would drive out to a farmer's field. And they would plow them under for fertilizer. Now you do that with walleyes, and you're going to jail. But you do it with carp, and people thank you. Carp are the most despised 
and rejected fish in Minnesota. But in countries like Slovakia and Poland and the Czech Republic, carp are the prized centerpiece of the Christmas table. We have our our Christmas ham or, or turkey or goose. They have Christmas carp. In the week before Christmas, families go down to the market to pick out their carp. And traditionally, they would get them alive and they would bring them home and they would take care of them in their bathtubs until Christmas morning. And then they would prepare the carp and it would be the highlight of the Christmas feast. Now, how many of you have eaten carp? Yeah, there's a, a few hands out there. How many of you have eaten carp on Christmas? Yeah, that's what I thought. Nobody. Now, now carp is actually better than lutefisk, but I don't really want to go into that this week. But, but nobody eats carp for Christmas in America. We reject it. But what we reject, those folks prize. And so does God. And I don't mean carp. I mean people. The Christmas story is full of despised and rejected people who are prized by God and are key to what God is doing in the world. Like Mary. Before she was the Virgin Mary, she was that that girl from the neighborhood who got knocked up by God knows who. She was just a, a lowly peasant girl. Never picked first. Actually, not ever picked at all. She was rejected even by her fiancé, Joseph, who was really no prize at all himself because he was just a common laborer trying to scratch out a living in that backwater town of Nazareth. And everyone knows that nothing good has ever come out of Nazareth. At least that's what Nathaniel tells Philip in the Gospel of John. It isn't fake modesty when Mary acts so surprised that God should pick her and look with favor on her low status. She was a nothing. She was a nobody. A girl used to not being picked. Maybe a girl like you. And then God picked her to be the mother of Jesus. It's no different with the shepherds. You know, we all love the shepherds in the Christmas story. In fact, in those... uh, Those old Christmas pageants, everybody wanted to be a shepherd or an angel. Nobody wanted to be Mary or Joseph because that was too much work. You had to memorize lines. And and nobody really wanted to be the ox or the ass either. They They wanted to be the shepherds and the angels. And the shepherds got to carry those neat shepherd's crooks, which are the bane of of every Christian ed person who's ever tried to organize a pageant because you put shepherd's crooks in the hands of little kids, and they suddenly become ninja weapons. And Well, we love the shepherds, but shepherds weren't really so loved back in the day, at least in the time of Jesus. I was at a, a Christmas pageant a few years back where one of the, uh, one of the shepherds really had the... Uh, the attitude, I think, that people had towards that. Of course, uh, uh, shepherds, well, here's what happened. When it came time in the, in the Christmas pageant for the angel to make their announcement to the shepherds, 
Four young children came down the aisle and proudly took their place center stage. Three of them were dressed in the typical Christmas pageant shepherd's costume, uh, an oversized robe and and a dish towel tied to their head. But the fourth child came down in overalls and a baseball cap. And after it was over, I I went and I thanked the kids and I thanked the shepherds. They said, oh, you are marvelous shepherds. And the little boy in the overalls looked me right in the eye and he said, I'm not a shepherd. I'm a farmer. (laughs) His distaste for shepherds was probably closer to the feelings of many people back in the days of Jesus. Shepherds were despised. For, for, by some, they were not even considered worthy enough to, to offer testimony in court. The Jewish Babylonian Talmud lists shepherds along with robbers, conspirators, and the wicked as people not allowed to testify in court. And even if they weren't despised, at, at the very least they were just common folks, the kind of people who never came in first. I mean, they didn't even own the land that their flocks grazed on. Farmers considered them trespassers. But no farmers or doctors or lawyers or or celebrities or fashion models or sports stars got a visit from the angels that night in a ringside seat at the birth of Jesus. Just the shepherds who were told to go to Bethlehem. (laughs) And then Bethlehem, another little no-account town, Remember Micah's prophecy? I'm going to read it to you in a a little more modern translation. The Lord says, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you might not be an important town in the nation of Judah, but out of you will come for me a ruler over Israel. His family line goes back to the early years of your nation. It goes all the way back to the days of long ago. And so the shepherds go to Bethlehem to a stable, because Mary and Joseph are so unfortunate that they couldn't even find a friend or a cheap motel in which to stay. Everywhere you look in the Christmas story, it is full of rejects that God picks to accomplish his purpose. The overlooked, the the little, the losers. God picks the carp of the world, not the walleyes, to be the center of Christmas. And it's who you use to make up the church, too. The church is is made up of the same kind of people. When Paul talks to the early church, to those first Christians, remember what he said to them? Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are nothing, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you've ever felt rejected, ever felt like nothing, weak, left out, overlooked, even a loser sometimes, you're in good company because the church has always been full of people like that because that's who God chooses to work through 
Christmas is for the Marys and the Josephs and the shepherds and the little towns of Bethlehem. Christmas is for you and me. For everyone who wasn't always picked first. Remember John's genealogy that we looked at last week? I call it a genealogy. But it goes back before creation. Remember it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. But a part that we didn't read from that genealogy section says this. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Jesus was rejected by his own people. In fact, reject is one of the, the common names for Jesus in the Bible. Actually, it, it, it's made a little bit longer. Jesus is called the stone which the builders rejected. Psalm 118 says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And, for, and Peter says that this reject stone, this reject stone is Jesus. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Acts 4 also says, Jesus is the stone you build is rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Even Jesus himself claims the title of reject. In the 21st chapter of Matthew, Jesus is talking to all the big men on campus to the, the Pharisees and, and the leaders, the chief priests there at the temple. These are the people that were winners. Everyone looked up to them. Everybody praised them. And yet, Jesus tells them in Matthew 21, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And... In Luke chapter 9, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Even Isaiah, whose prophecies we've been reading during this Advent time, remember him who, who wrote 700 years before Jesus? Even back then, Isaiah knew that the Messiah would be considered a reject. But it's this reject who will heal us, this reject who will bring us peace, not the rich and famous, not the powerful and the praise, not the royalty, but the suffering servant who would give his life for us. Isaiah 53 says this, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that, that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our, 
up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus was born to be rejected. And by his rejection, saved the world. And rejection isn't something that we usually think of at, at Christmas time, no more than we usually think of carp. Oh, uh, there, is, there is one story of rejection maybe that, that, that comes up, and that's the, the, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer song. You know, Rudolph was rejected by the other reindeer and wasn't chosen for any of the reindeer games. But Rudolph only becomes popular when the big guy realizes that he can use his superpower as a headlight to guide his sleigh. And then all those other reindeer liked him. But that's not the Christian story. The Christian story is you don't have to have a superpower. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to save the day because we already have a Savior. And he was rejected just like we are sometimes, and even more so. He was rejected by the powerful, so much so that they nailed him to a cross. But that's why he came. That's why the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the manger in Bethlehem and, and even Christmas carp. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus was a rejected Messiah. Maybe that's why God has a special place in God's plan for all those people who were nothing in the world's eyes. Maybe that's why God has a special place in God's plans for me and you. Let's pray. Jesus, the rejected one, the baby in a barn, our wounded Savior. We thank you that you went through all of that for our sake. We're not the kind of people that, that attract a lot of attention. We don't always come out on top. Sometimes we struggle just like people in the Bible. But Lord, even so, you came for us. You came to be just like us, to go through everything that we go through, even the rejection, the pain, the hurt, the disappointment. But you did it for us. So we're going to boast about you. Not about ourselves, but we're going to boast about you. Because you are so great and loving and caring. Because you saved us. Lord, this, uh, 
this third Sunday in Advent, the time of joy. May we have your joy in our heart. May we truly celebrate because we know what you've done for us and what you continue to do. May we share that with others. Joy to the world. Amen.